Welcome to Badass Lady Folk. I'm your host, Christine Stoddard. And today's guest is Christine Slentz, the poet. Hey. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So, dear listeners, you have been listening to me on Radio Free Brooklyn since 2016, uh, give or take. And more recently, you've been watching me on the Manhattan Neighborhood Network and I am so happy that Christine is one of my first TV guests. <laughs> Christine, tell us about your poetry. Why do you write poetry? Oh, goodness. Oh, the big questions. Um, why do I write poetry? I, I feel like I have been writing or attempting to write um, <laughs> since as far back as I can remember. Uh, I have a journal, a Lion King journal still, mm. um, from way back in the day from the original release animated uh, version. Um, and, you know, there's no real letters in it. There's no, there's, I mean, it's just chicken scratch <laughs> all over the page, but um, I've just always been attempting to write. And I grew up uh, with a very religious background. Um, so there was always a lot of verse and a lot of music and musicality um, elements in my life. And so I think poetry just became a really natural outlet for me and something I enjoyed doing. Um, and again, I, growing up in a very religious household, um, there weren't many outlets to, to have. And so... Um, but I always had a piece of paper and always something to write with, you know. Um, so it just, it felt natural. So I've been doing it for, I like, I like to say as cheesy as it is my whole life. Like it feels very cliche to say, but um, yeah, as far back as I can remember. Ooh. Yeah. Do you still have this Lion King journal? I do. And you know exactly where it is at this moment. At this moment, it is, I believe, in a storage unit. <laughs> um, I have not been to the storage unit in a minute, but I do have two other like office file boxes of journals and notebooks I've had throughout my life. <laughs> so, um, and I have, I've lost a few along the way, which is always really sad. And of course, those are the ones you like remember. I had a holographic notebook from like middle school. <laughs> and I was so tragic because I, I know that I have just the worst like, heartbreak poems <laughs> in those books that I would love to go back and um, just, you know, have have a giggle with myself now. Um, but yeah, I, I got all of those notebooks still somewhere. They're always around. Is this something that your family would comment on when you were a kid, like Christine and her notebooks? No, <laughs> no, um, oh. no, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, it was, and but I do, appreciate they knew they existed and I think they let me have that space which mm. was really nice um, and because I know um, not all teenagers get that from their parents um, and especially growing up with um, my mother being so strict that it was nice that I still had that that space to myself so oh yeah they knew I at one point I thought I was Harriet the spy and I like carried it around with me everywhere um, <laughs> <laughs> which I still do. Like, I still carry my notebooks with me. Um, but it was so obvious. It was very painful. Uh, but, um, yeah, they just kind of let, and I, I don't think they ever really read them. They just, or commented on it. They just kind of 
um, let me have that space, which was really cool of them um, looking back. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there's something so special and precious and vulnerable about being yeah. a young person and just having a place that's sacred for your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think I've ever really thought of it that way before. Um, but it was very cool of them to to allow me to have that space for sure. So, at what point did you start to see yourself as a writer? Yes. So, I. Um, it was a big turning point in my life, actually. I had um, left high school. I was I was asked to leave high school. Ooh. Yes, um, <clears throat> I did not like to attend. <laughs> so <laughs> I, it reached a point where they were like, you, you can't, there's no way you can graduate <laughs> in any time frame. Uh, so I left, I got my GED and um, I was also fortunate in the sense that um, I had parents that had very uh, untraditional educations. Both of them were also GED students, and both of them also went on to college. So I knew my options, which um, was very, I was very fortunate in that sense. And so um, I decided that I was going to go to community college for my first year. I was going to get straight A's, and then I was going <laughs> to go off. <laughs> far, far away um, to, to a four-year school. And um, by far, far away, it was an hour and a half from <laughs> my hometown in the end. But um, I had gotten my GED, and I was starting community college. And especially the first semester was a lot of classes to kind of um, fill the gaps of what I didn't have coming in from high school. And I had to pick a major and um, I never really thought of it uh, up until that point it was always um, go to college so you can get a good job you know um, but I but no one ever said what the good job was <laughs> or like you know um, or it was just kind of like do what you like and since I didn't you know I didn't have a lot of uh, extracurriculars or, or things like that, I was like, oh, what do I like to do? What, <laughs> what do I want to do with my life? And, um, and my dad, you know, I, I talked to him and he was just like, you know, it doesn't, basically he said, take, take the pressure off. Mm. It's just about right now, you know, finishing your degree. And so do what you like, do what you love. Um, and, life happens and so just just do that for now and I was like well what do I love what do I do and I was like oh yeah I write all the time <laughs> surprise um, yeah and um and so I that's what I did and I joined the newspaper there and then I was on the newspaper um when I transferred a year later to Purdue University um and yeah, so I majored in uh, English Lit and Creative Writing, I double majored. Um, and I didn't know what that would look like for a long time. Um, I didn't know if I was going to be a journalist. I didn't know if I was going to be a novelist. I was like, I will not teach, which <laughs> is the big joke because I am a teacher now. <laughs> um, 
but you know, and and I just knew I I loved to write, and I wasn't sure which direction. And and my dad was right to a certain point where it's like, life kind of just blows you where it may. Um, because I ended up graduating during the height of the recession Fun. in the arts, yes, <laughs> um, which yeah, which was great. And but I had this really unique skill set coming out of college because I just kind of did what was what I loved and what was also available, the opportunities that I had, I just said yes. Um, and so I, I fell into this really unique digital marketing career for a while um, before I decided to really go into the creative writing path. Um, so it was just a really windy road in a sense, but it made sense to me at the time. Yeah. Could you tell our listener slash viewer audience what is digital marketing i think people oh, have yeah. all kinds of ideas of what that means yeah and it is it is broad especially now um when i started which um i would say around 2010 give or take um i was in a very niche part of digital marketing which was seo search engine optimization um, and back then it was like the Wild West. <laughs> it was just <laughs> pure mayhem. And it was, and I, I um, the, my first like true, true job, I would say I had a, a myriad of other small jobs, but my true, true first job um, was at this agency in Indianapolis. And I still like to this day have so many close friends from this. It's like trauma bonding or something. <laughs> um, but, you know, a small tech comp startup tech company. Um, and so we were basically just trying to get our clients to rank for certain keywords when people would type those keywords into Google. Um, and over time, it it changed and, um, you know, it, it elevated into places and we were um, writing articles with these keywords and placing them at publications and, um, you know, it became more PR based, I would say. Um, but there was always an element of writing to it and, um, and especially if you wanted it to be good, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, if you wanted it to really work. Um, so that's kind of where I started off, and, and I stayed in that for uh, the better, better half of a decade. Um, and, you know, social media became more prevalent then. Um, it's really wild because, like, I remember when Instagram, like, I was working digital marketing when Instagram started. Um, and so you're just like, what, what is happening? What's <laughs> where this am new I? thing? Yeah. Is it going to take off? Is yeah. it going to work? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember we were like, social media is going to be really important when it comes to uh, digital marketing and people arguing about that. Um, and of course, not, you know, now it is, we know it is important, right? <laughs> um, and so watching kind of that development happen and be a part of those conversations was also really cool um, because the the company that I was at actually ended up being um, sort of prolific in its own in its own boutique market uh, sort of thing so it was just a really cool experience to have um, and then you know I kind of got burnt out in the marketing world after I want to say seven or eight years I did that um, and I was like I want to be a poet <laughs> And so I, I ran away to New York and started my, my MFA <laughs> here in the city. Yeah. Running away. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be an artist. 
yeah. yeah. So while you were cranking out these SEO articles yeah. and doing all of that nonsense that I, well, I shouldn't call it nonsense. I, I call it nonsense because I did it. I've done oh, it. Oh, you understand. Okay, it. yeah. <laughs> you know it. As a freelancer, I haven't done it full time, but mm-hmm. I... I do have experience in that world. Yeah. So that's what, but you know, a job's a job. Yeah. <laughs> and especially yeah. when you're coming out of college and you're like, how do I pay rent? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a job is a job. Uh, but literature is literature. Yeah. It's, oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know. So how did you convince yourself? Because it probably did take some sacrifice, right? Yeah. Yeah. How did you convince yourself that, no, this is what I want to do. I want to make art. Yeah, it, there's, you know, it's tough because it was something I had contemplated for years, I think. Um, and it was like one of those things where every time I got into a serious relationship, I was like, you should know. <laughs> I plan on moving to L.A. or New York. <laughs> So you got to be okay with that. Like I was very, you know, <laughs> about it. Um, and it took years. It did. T- it did. I had a friend from that agency. She moved out here, um, and it still took me another like five years mm. before I really before I took the plunge um, to get out here. And you know, I think there are just certain moments in your life that um, are just big turning points. And I had. Um, a moment where, and there was just a lot of things happening all at once as, as life happens, um, <laughs> everything at once. Um, but you know, my, a family member, um, immediate family member, uh, she g- had cancer, um, mm. and she passed away. And it was just one of those things where, you know, that with other factors, I was just like, you know, yeah, it's, it's time. Um, I didn't have enough. I felt, um, when it came to marketing, I was like, yeah, this is here. It was really hard for me to leave Indianapolis. I love Mm. Indianapolis. I will still, um, my heart is always there, will always be there. Um, What do you love about it? Everything. Um, (laughs) I do, it's the people, it's the art. There's a great art scene there and great food, which I know sounds, I know that doesn't sound right? (laughs) Um, I I get that. But, um, you know, I think there's um, a lot going on in in Indiana that is stressful. Um, Mm. And but there there is this wonderful community that exists there that I know and I feel gets um, on a national stage kind of gets um, overlooked. And there's just so many incredible artists so many incredible poets there my goodness Mm. um and I uh I would love to go back and support them whenever I can um and I really love food and they have such a good food scene there um and you know it's there is just an incredible community that when I got there when I moved there there was immediately um spaces for me to to join and it was very welcoming um so yeah, I will I will always rep Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> what you were saying reminded me of Richmond and how Richmond, Virginia is precious to me. Yeah. And it's similar that there's a lot happening there 
locally and regionally that has national impact. Yeah. And you'll see national news coverage, but you don't always see coverage of how artists are responding to the times and what they're doing locally and regionally to to go against whatever's happening with the Confederate flag these days and whatever's happening with abortion these days. Mm And and just all these communities of artists who, for whatever reason, didn't move to New York or L.A. or Chicago or Miami or whatever other big city. Mm-hmm. And they they decided to stay local and still come up with something and react. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, there's... Um, and I think you put it wonderfully that... Um, I wish there was more space for, for artists, the local artists, to really show... Um, the response to to a lot of these um, issues and and have more of a platform for that, but it's really amazing to see what they have done locally for their community as well. Um, and you know, and that's one nice thing about social media is I still get to tune in in that way <laughs> and still yes. get to see see those um, incredible moments because it is you know, and it is a it is a it's a whole different um, energy when when that's the community and the surroundings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back to that MFA. Yeah. So you decided <laughs> to do it. Mm-hmm. Where'd you do it? City College of New York. Yay. Yes. <laughs> I went there from my MFA yeah. audience members. I've mentioned it actually not on the TV show, but. Okay on the radio show. Okay, so why City College Mm -hmm. and what was the atmosphere like? What were your classes like? What were your classmates like? Yeah, um, why City College? That is an excellent question. I, so I did the whole like, um, I came in in October and I did the tour of the open houses and I went to all these MFA programs in the city and um, I really was mostly doing a vibe check (laughs) Um, because that's I didn't really do that for my undergrad um, and I just took a big swing and it worked out (laughs) and I was like um, maybe we shouldn't leave so much to chance next time Um, and so I I toured all these um, programs and went to their open houses and um, you know some of them you know you you like different programs for different reasons, right? Um, and there were a few that I was kind of like, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> and there were some that, you know, they they were nice enough, but maybe it was the, um, you know, maybe it was one faculty member that was the appeal, or maybe it was, you know, the name that was the appeal, or, um, you know, things like that. And with City College, I knew right away that it was, a place where I was like, oh, I'm for sure applying here. This is happening. Um, It just felt, it had a home energy that I really liked. It had an inclusive energy that um, I felt in a different way than I didn't feel um, at other programs. Not that inclusion wasn't a part of other programs, but it felt different um, at City. And that's kind of what I was looking for more, especially coming from the Midwest, um, I wanted something that was going to make me a more well-rounded person. Um, I wanted to be in the world more. And um, 
that's that's what I felt at, at City College. And there were already like so many examples just being on campus where I saw art, different forms of art, different mediums. Um, and we even, the open house I think was in that, it's in that huge theater, that like gothic, huge gothic theater on campus. Um, and so I was like, yep, this is it. This is this is where I will, I will be applying. And then I got in. <laughs> so that was that worked out. Um, so yeah, I kind of just applied to a handful of schools here, a handful of schools in um, LA or like surrounding areas. And I was just like, let's, let's see what happens. Um, and city was my first pick. So it, it all worked out in the end. Um, but yeah, yeah. Oh, and then the program itself, um, I really, I really enjoyed my time um, in my MFA program in, in the at City, um, which I also feel really fortunate about because I've heard horror stories <laughs> about MFAs, um, and that just wasn't my experience. I had a really lovely cohort, um, and they were so talented, like so incredibly talented. Um, like, it still kind of blows my mind to this day whenever, like, you go to a reading and then someone will get up and read something and you're just like, well, I'm, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> like, that was, you know, the, the whole room just kind of stands still um, so often for these writers. And um, I think what I loved the most about my program is you could feel that we were all genuinely there to help each other mm. and to prop each other up and to and to help bring out the best in one another. I didn't feel like there was any dick measuring happening. <laughs> um, and I didn't, I knew that that was rare, but I don't think I realized how rare until I started um, hanging out with other people from other programs. Um, and so I, I, again, I feel there's so much, I'm like, I'm so fortunate, but I really do feel like I'm very fortunate um, when it comes to these things. And, and so we had, um, yeah, my cohort was great. My, the faculty's amazing. Um, and I had the opportunity to, you know, the, the um, faculty of uh, Michelle Valadaris and David Groff, um, Laura Hinton, they're just incredible. Laura Hinton's classes cha like completely changed the scope of my writing, which I did not expect happening. I came in with like a definitive uh, thesis, and then I just didn't didn't write any of that at all. <laughs> a whole new thesis by the end. Um, but and then you know they had visiting professors that were also incredible, um, Cynthia Cruz and Nicole Seeley, who are just like in my opinion, powerhouses um, when it comes to poetry. And Cynthia ended up being my thesis advisor. And um, Nicole, you know, we, we've seen each other at several readings now, and um, she helped me quite a bit with my erasure work as well. And so, um, yeah, it was just a really cool experience. And also it was a three-year program, which was really nice. This always do the three-year instead of the two, right? Um, <laughs> so I had the opportunity to, to kind of take my time with the work um, itself. So, so yeah, I think the, the program was really great when I went through it. Um, of course, I graduated in May 2020. <laughs> Fun! <laughs> so um, the ending was 
was a little interesting, but, you know, it was also cool to see, like, once again, like, the community come together and be like, listen, I don't know how we're going to do this <laughs> online stuff, but we're, we'll figure it out. Because um, it was, you know, we had a very, I would say, untraditional student body in general. Um, but it was cool to see all of us come together and help each other out. Um, I was adjuncting at the time, and, and to watch my students do that as well was really cool. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would recommend that program. I, I had a great time. Um, and I know that there's a lot of alumni still, still lurking around so <laughs> that, that are always willing to, to be a part of the scene. So, yeah. On that note, let's shift to some of your poetry. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's have yeah. you read. Yeah, I'm going to read. I'll read a little bit of a longer poem. Sure. Um, we've got time, Chris. We've got time. <laughs> um, so this poem actually was from Nicole Seeley's workshop. Yay. <laughs> um, I always tell this story when I read this poem. Um, but the prompt was to write a praise poem. I was like, all right, yeah, sure, got this. So I write it, I put it away, you know, and you come back to it later. And I read it, and I was like, oh, no. I was <laughs> like, I'm a bummer. Like, this is, <laughs> this is not a praise poem. Um, and, you know, I worked on it a little bit, took it to class, and, um, you know, my peers were like, no, you gotta, you got to keep with it. There's, there's something here. Um, and I w was very hesitant for a very long time. Um, but they were right. I stuck with it. And um, I feel like this is a poem that I return to a lot um, and that I'm asked about mo most often. Um, so that's, that's kind of, I don't know. You tell me if you think this is a praise poem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's called I Live. I've lived with ghosts cockroaches, and raccoons. I've lived with calico cats, dirty dogs, and an orange rabbit. I've lived with metropolitan mice, rural rats, and a possum. I've lived with substance shame, sex regret, and family guilt. I've lived with half-family, step-family, and chosen family. I've lived with parents having hepatitis C, cancer, and depression. I've lived with a boyfriend, husband, and myself. I've lived with translated Bibles, botched brochures, and bullets. I've lived with occult, Catholicism, and paganism. I've lived, with a, I've lived with broken nails, fevers, and souls. I've lived with virtuous monsters, powerful misfits, and damned angels. I've lived with gin, vodka, and Vicodin. I've lived with alcoholics, drug addicts, and myself. I've lived with DUIs, IUDs, and EODs. I've lived with migraines, stomach ulcers, and sobriety. I've lived with a rape break-in and a shattered kitchen window. I've lived with punches, slaps, and a bite. I've lived with frozen pipes, hearts, and beds. I've lived with abuse, manipulation, and manifestation. I've lived with being fought over, fucked with, and forgotten. I've lived with passion, persistence, and piss. I've lived with devastation, underestimation, and exhilaration. I've lived with ancestors of the colonized, colonizers, and the lost. I've lived with green cards, citizens, and those undocumented. I've lived with sand dunes, bright lights, and suburban flights. 
I've lived with self-harm, self-awareness, and self-care. I've lived with couples therapy, group therapy, and medication. I've lived with hypersexuality, bisexuality, and prized virginity. I've lived with homeschool, public school, and dropping out. I've lived with beige carpet, linoleum, and pressed wood walls. I've lived with a broken down car, station wagon, and pickup truck. I've lived with no money, less money, and sometimes money. I've lived with patches of strawberries, clovers, and rosemary. I've lived, I've lived, I've lived, I have lived, I have lived, I have lived, I live. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's a praise poem. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still standing. Yeah. Despite it all. Yeah. Because of it all. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was like originally going for. And then I had to I had to walk it back a bit (laughs) to get it to get it to translate that way. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Where do you think it sat before? Like what was more of the the feeling or Yeah, I think the focus because when I first wrote it in my mind I was it was triumph. Trying mm-hmm. to, to show tri- yeah. triumph. Um, and I think when I first wrote it, all you could see was just the bad. And I was like, no, that's oh, okay. not what I want. I don't want to just show bad experiences, right? Um, just to show the, the hardness of life. I want to show um, the, the overcoming, the I'm here be- instead of, because of, right? Um, so I think trying to, to push it to that place. Um, and it took a lot of uh, reorganizing, <laughs> and then also the word, you know, the word choice and repetition of "I live." I think um, is what kind of brought that out more instead of just the the doom and gloom. Yeah, and there's humor there, and there's yeah. some contrasts mm-hmm. too, and. Yeah, so many different textures, so many different lives. Yeah. <laughs> okay, read another one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so as also like I mentioned like I mentioned before. Um, Wait, what is that in? Oh, um, Woman Depose. Mm-hmm. This is my book. Um, and I actually I just spoke with my publisher recently and we're gonna do a re release um, this From... Flower Song Press. Um, this this coming spring, spring summer. Yay. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Congratulations! Yeah, getting some edits in here and doing doing some fun stuff. Um, I'm excited and new cover, the whole thing. Um, but yeah, so this was my my thesis, my MFA thesis. Wow, it ended up being not the one I thought was going to happen, but <laughs> it worked. It worked out for the best. Um, and like I mentioned before. Um, one of my other professors, Laura Hinton, uh, she focuses on experimental poetics, um, which I think prior to my MFA, I didn't have a lot of exposure to, um, at least not at this volume. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really, that's where I think I found my voice um, and where I really grew. And so um, that's, that's kind of just where my poetry has been living for the most part. Um, and this is one of my one of my favorite little experimental poems. Um, and actually the whole poem is the title. It's all in bold. Um, but I just I call it feathers for 
for fun for myself. Um, <laughs> so you can remember what, I try. which one? Yeah, <laughs> when I'm when I'm putting my my list together of what to read. Um, but yeah, so uh, this one's called Feathers for Myself. My grunts burst into feathers. White candy striped midnight. Gutted throat snap pockets down on Franklin Ave's stall. Try three to four more pounds of pearls collide with the face. Lockjaw leopard swelling liquid. Mirror glances sea rim cock penny drop of course not bills. Druggy desserts backed pain. Fingerprint goodness fades like kneecap puns or gloved meat. Laced up orphans enjoy spunk. Pulsing swarms enter cemetery, waving eye rolls and dark stars. My chronic caress cries bard. That's a fun one. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was over yet. Yes, I know, right? Um, yeah, it's it's a little darker, but um, yeah, it's one of one of my favorite. One, another one. Um, I'm always interested in who gravitates towards what poems and the questions they ask. So it's that's another one I get asked about a lot. Um, yeah, at readings. Yeah, yeah, so I want to know what. Was the inspiration? Oh, sure. Yeah, typical. Ask the artist a question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I think um, for the you know another big thing I was contemplating while writing this book because this book does it focuses a lot on um, the feminine experience in the world and um, what does that mean and how do we move through it. and what impact does that have on us and our bodies? And I think um, a, an underlying theme that I started exploring um, that came up, I, I think I started exploring it beforehand when I first got into the program. Um, I actually had, I was, I was visiting a class the other day and a student asked, how did New York inform my writing? How did it change my writing from, from moving uh, from the Midwest, and I was like, oh, well, I was, like, real pissed at first. <laughs> I was so angry when I first moved to New York. Huh. Um, About what? I was, well, I was taking this, uh, there were workshops I was taking in the program and then some outside of the program as well, and um, everyone, and I should have known this going in, but you know, I think when you come in from the outside, when you're coming from the Midwest, you think New York is such a hub, right? Mm. And and that's such a like transplant thing to think um, in some ways in that like I arrived and everyone was writing about New York. Well, sure, that makes sense. Why wouldn't they be writing about New York? We're in New York, right? <laughs> what you know, like that makes sense. But I wanted, I wanted, um, I wanted for some reason, I, I was like, no, the, we can talk about so many, so many things. Why are we still talking? Every movie's made about New York. Why can't every TV <laughs> show's in New York? Why can't we talk about other places too? You know, um, and the, that was my stuff. <laughs> that was my <laughs> shit that I needed to work through. Um, and you know, it was really interesting to get to a place because what what ended up happening once I chilled out and got over myself, what I realized was that we, even though we all kind of grow up so differently and in such 
um, complex circumstances, there's this human experience, there's this thread that just runs throughout all of us that we can all relate to, um, no matter what, because I had, I had people in my class that we grew up so completely differently. Mm. Um, you know, where I was in a smaller family and um, they grew up in a larger family. They were born and raised here. I was from small town Indiana, you know. Um, just all these things, gender, um, race, just so many different aspects of life. And then we'd be like, but narcissistic moms, am I right? Like, like, <laughs> always, like there was always something that we could relate to at the end of the day. So, um, you know, I kind of, I had to get over myself and, and see stories in a different way and to mm. see writing in a different way, um, which was good for me in the end. Um, but I think that there's something legitimate to what you were complaining about in, yeah. in those early years yeah. of you coming to New York of how you can, as a transplant, be dismissed or your views mm -hmm. can be dismissed. And I have always loved New York. I've always wanted to live here. I have never truly wanted to live anywhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad's a New Yorker. Uh, I was the first person in my family born in Virginia, and there are many things that I enjoy about Virginia even still, and yeah. many things I like uh, doing when I go back to visit, but it was never the place I wanted to stay. Yeah. And even still, when I came here, I did find myself missing certain things or wondering, God, why is it? that some native New Yorkers have this really obnoxious attitude, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. okay, you were born here. Good for you. No one controls where they're born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, no yeah. one picks. <laughs> no, yeah. So I, I definitely get some of that. Yeah, and I think that was, um, yeah, no, definitely, because one of one of the underlying theme, themes, um, I think that I started exploring in this book, um, and I've written some essays on it too. But I was—I took a class, I think a couple classes actually, with um, Cynthia Cruz, and on the melancholia of class, and I think that plays a, a role in it too of um, what socioeconomic class um, you're coming in at, and then also what where you're at and and where where you're at right mm -hmm. um and so yeah it's it's interesting because i have found in certain circles where i am far i am dismissed far more easily or exaggerated so than than other circles and i do think um class plays a, a role in that here in here in the city in particular i mean it does everywhere obviously but um yeah, there's there's a a real resistance to that. I think sometimes. Well, the I think the difference between here and many other places in the U.S. is the difference in in wealth. The divide yeah. is just so great because you have 
people who have their penthouses and mm -hmm. houses in other states and they go to Europe regularly. What are they billionaires? Right? Yes. Yes. And, and then you have people who are on food stamps and don't have regular Internet access or cell phones or whatever, like long list of things. And yeah. it's just such a discrepancy. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was really a. Um, I didn't realize the extent when I first moved here, too, which is probably part of part of where my anger came from <laughs> um, because, you know, and I started I started dating this guy that, um, you know, and and born and raised here, um, private school his whole life, kind of kind of that um, belonged to the, in those like had those circles been in, in that world his whole life. And um I just didn't understand the level of wealth that truly existed in New York City that um, you you don't find in small town Indiana that you can't even fathom. And I grew up, you know, my dad um, lived in Chicago and out, right outside of Chicago, um, so I had exposure to to like the city life. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I was like, I know what I'm doing. I'll be fine. And I was like, apples and oranges. This is not the same. <laughs> New York City is not not like Chicago, um, which is another city that I love to death. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think it was just really hard to comprehend the level of wealth that exists here and then trying to rationalize that when mm. you know the way you grew up and how a lot of people um, – back home are still living as well mm -hmm. um and also how how we still have to live here <laughs> um for many of us so yeah it's it's hard to um kind of grapple with all of that at the same time and still um find a way to to put it into words and to put it into art yeah so did you find, like I, I noticed in this poem, the mention of Franklin Avenue. Was oh, yeah. that a reference to Crown Heights or? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a reference to the, actually, uh, that, that guy I was talking about, um, <laughs> the, the gentrification of, of Crown Heights, okay, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and kind of, yeah, that, I mean, really, that's what it is, the gentrification of, of Crown Heights. Um, because even when I lived in Indianapolis, I saw, um, I got to see in real time a massive uh, gentrification movement um, that was really wild. Because it happened in, in such a small amount of time, truly, in less than a decade. Um, seeing downtown Indianapolis just radically change and kind of sitting in the middle of all that. Mm. <laughs> um, and so it was interesting to be dating someone who came from so much more wealth and generational wealth than I do um, and then kind of seeing this process on repeat before my very eyes um, and it was just such an interesting place for me to be and I really struggled with it and so I wrote about it <laughs> so I was like I don't know what to do here how do you know so um, it's like anything you you write it out to figure out how to, what to make of it yeah yeah mm. Okay, let's get to another poem. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, let's see here. So for those who are listening to the radio podcast version, right now Christine is flipping through her book. She has 
So many little oh, so <laughs> many notes. <laughs> too many. Um, yeah, I will read. So like I mentioned before, so I feel like we're co- we covered a couple good topics. Um, <laughs> so like I mentioned before, um, there there a large portion of my book is about um, it's predominantly about just the feminine experience. Um, and what does that mean? Um, what does that look like and and how does um, living in this world that has been created for us, what impact does that have on our spirit, on our mind, on our bodies, right? Which is, you know, those all those things are actually connected too, even though we like to kind of pry them apart. Um, so this one is, um, so, and I, a lot of times in my writing, and I had a friend tell me, I had, okay, so <laughs> I, um, I had a, I have a reading with a friend, um, and he was kind of trying to explain my Rag poetry. about the reading a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I had, I have this um, annual reading that I, I do with a poet friend of mine, because um, our books came out at the same time. And, and he'll actually be coming to New York um, in April for his next book that's being launched freakishly the same month that our books origi- originally came out. Um, but every, every year um, we have readings, in, one in Indianapolis and one in uh, Lafayette, Indiana. And um, he was, you know, we, and we try to get um, other readers as well to join us. And he was explaining to one of the readers one time, um, cause she asked what, what kind of poems should I read? What, you know, what themes I have, there's options. Um, and he was like, well, you know, I write about this. And, and then he turned and he was like, and she writes about sex. And so whatever you want to write about. <laughs> and, I, and I never like, like, I know I write about it, but, and, but I never like thought of it that way. Um, and then I was talking to another, another a wonderful poet, H.E. Fisher. Um, and she, you know, she's one of those people that you, I always go to her to look at my work. I just really trust her with my words. Um, she's a fantastic editor. And, and she, I kind of said something similar about, is this what I write about? Or like, do I write about this or whatever? <laughs> and and she was like, no, I think there's more to it. She said, I think that's the lens you use to talk about the world um, and trying to, she's like, you, you talk about all of these topics, you talk about all these themes, but it, it starts with um, a relationship through a romantic relationship, or it starts through um, a sexual encounter, or it starts, you know, it, that's just the starting point, and then it brings up all of these other connected issues because at the end of the day, everything is kind of connected. Um, she goes, so I think that's just what brings you there. I don't think, mm. I don't think you write about sex. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, I like that answer better. <laughs> I'll go with that one. Um, but yeah, so, so it, uh, it just really cracked me up a bit. Um, but yeah, so every every year, and John Leo is who I do um, those annual readings with, and I, but he just moved. I think he moved to mm-hmm. Minneapolis. So um, I don't. But there is a great poetry scene there. So I don't know how we'll we'll do our readings going forward. But um, they're they're some of my my favorite. So 
hopefully. There's, there's even a regular at our Lafayette. Um, shout out to Thomas. Love you, Thomas. Um, <laughs> he comes to every, every reading in, in Lafayette. Um, and he's just like, it's one of those things where, um, and I never know how to express it, you know, in person, but it's just like, you know, uh, you have those, those people in your life where you're like, okay, yes, this is why I do what I do. Like, this is, this is, um, part of it. Right. And so I just, I love Thomas. Shout out to you. Um, we'll always put, make a reading in, in Lafayette. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, it's a special one, but that's where I think, um, in this, this next poem I'm going to read, it's kind of, it, that's what it is. It's, it's based, it feels, um, kink oriented. I also discuss kink a lot, um, in my work, or polyamory, or just different relationship dynamics in general. Um, but it's, uh, there's this really great phrase, and I wish I knew who said it, and I have no idea, so if you know, please please <laughs> let me know. But there's this phrase that the poem is never about the about. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, there's always that surface level conversation that's happening, but like, you know, anything in poetry, there's three to eight million different readings that you could have of what are they talking about what are they yeah. trying to say um so that's that's kind of uh kind of what's happening in this piece so can't yeah. wait to hear it yeah, yeah. it's called daddy <laughs> <laughs> placebo daddy grease hissing tooth pinkest longing legs wolf daddy drool blood over legs Day-long orphan cock, makeshift daddy. Boneless legs moan too. Long halo sinks spit pills, hacked daddy. Pull on cured legs legacy, sweet milk of long dessert. Daddy, daily glisten this crotchless princess, your princess queen. Your self-appointed queen. Mm. Yeah. And then I'll read um, this next poem. It's called Lily Demons Lurking. Um, and similar themes. Um, it's also trying to address kind of um, being being human and trying to to be in this world. <laughs> really, <laughs> what does that look like? Lily demons lurking. It's true. Pacing back with delicate greed, I submit this heartfelt damage. I am a demon to you. The system knelt to us with a distorted masculine scent. Feeling like a screw, we chewed its loops of ravaged mirrors. Then the exposure of his paws risked torment into backslide, so that phantom pain trills and heavy vermouth becomes ritual. Twitching winged evils will always accrue here on earth, with our grime-covered blank faces mimicking each other's sins. So we feed drops of pain onto one another's heart bulge, 
a cue that all subliminal souls are flagrantly mismanaged. Those demons are undaunting in subduing us humans. Every living being is just Satan's squirming baggage. Mm -hmm. It's true. I am a demon to you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I think it's just hard to uh, be in the world sometimes. And how do you move through it and kind of, um, you know, where, how do you wear your wounds? How do you wear your scars? How do you um, show up when you know that you've, you've been in the wrong too? Mm. Um, and how do you mend, right? And know that, um, that the, this is just the world and it will perpetuate and especially living in a world that's so um, male-dominated, that's so patriarchy-driven. Um, and how do, how do we move through that, right? It's, it's a lot to, to question. Um, so it's, it was one of those things, again, if you, when you're trying to process it, trying to write it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself asking questions more than finding answers? I think so. Um, because I think then you can start, once you start asking questions, then you can um, start asking truer questions, if that Ooh, makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, again, you have like the surface question, and then once you actually ask the question, right, once you put it out there, once you write it down, once you say it out loud, it's like talking to your best friend, you know, and then you're like, do I really feel that way about that? Is that really the question I want to be asking? And then you can, you can tailor it, you can make it more nuanced and, and get down to what am I actually asking here? Because I think, you know, you can't get a real answer. You can't start finding those answers until you start asking um, the more nuanced question. Um, and so you have to ask a lot of questions <laughs> mm -hmm. to start to even approach an answer. Um, in my experience, anyways, um, I am a big fan of uh, writing in like a word collage. Ooh. On, yeah. Um, so my notebook will just be, and I'll just keep turning the notebook and writing just um, questions, but like three word questions, two word questions. Even sometimes I'll just write why, you know? <laughs> um, just why is this a thing? And. Um, I think once you kind of do that th that uh, throat clearing and you kind of clear out that debris, then you can get down to like, what is, what's actually bothering you? Like, mm. what is the real um, issue here, you know? So I, th I think you have to, because we always have our, um, we always have our initial response, right? That's, that is um, so pronounced and it is so valid and, um, you know, and, and you have to feel that. Uh, and so you have to acknowledge it and feel it and then keep feeling, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard part too. Um, so then you keep, so you keep asking the, the question and so you can kind of get down to, um, t 
try to get more to to a root of something um and that's that's not easy yeah yeah because you can get numb yeah. And then you stop asking those questions. I loved how you said, keep feeling. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because you're so tired from the initial yeah. feeling. You're like, yeah, I had this explosion of feeling. Now I'm tired. Yeah. No, but yeah, it's, it's true keep, to keep feeling and to keep asking the questions. Yeah. Well, Christine, we are coming up on the end of our time thank you so much yeah, for yeah. being here we still have i'm like trying to get into this habit of doing oh, yeah. a slow rollout okay yes <laughs> yes it's some very profound things do you have any like one to two sentence statements about anything that you wish oh, you had mentioned goodness oh goodness pressure is on um it's fine if the answer is no <laughs> Just wanted to give you a chance. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. Um, goodness. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Um, I think the big thing is, and that I say to my students all the time for a myriad of different things, is to like, and I have to be better about it with myself as well, but just to um, let yourself off the hook a little bit. Yeah. You know? Be um, gentle with yourself. Yeah. Right? <laughs> forgive yourself, right? Yes. Every everything will be okay. Um and and to give look look back and give yourself credit. Yeah. For what, what you've done and how far you've come and how far you've grown. Yeah. Well thank you for joining me in this conversation. Thank yeah. you for sharing your poems with mm -hmm. me and with the audience. Yeah. Dear viewers slash listeners, I have to find a less awkward way of saying that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for the Badass Lady Folk. I'm your host, Christine Stoddard. And on this episode, my guest was another Christine, but with a K, Christine Slentz. Yes. You can watch future episodes on Manhattan Neighborhood Network, YouTube, and a thousand other places soon, I promise. And you can listen to us on Radio Free Brooklyn and pretty much every podcast platform ever. Thanks so much. Tune in next time. <laughs>